Look at this. In the sorry, in the news, I have a gripe. There's a there's a news piece that says early taste of winter hits Australia, and then when you when you click on it, it says Australia's southeast. And it says New South Wales, Victoria, and South Australia. We'll see an icy blast and more potential showers sweep through. And then I've got a picture of a frosty paddock in front of a mountain that's Tasmanian. So not only have they forgotten that we're the southeastern most and are going to get the coldest and the most, they've even used a picture from Tassie but still don't acknowledge that. You're it not southeast, you're south-southeast. Just south, really. The picture they've used, Dave, is Mount Rowland. That's why I know it. <laughs> There you go, yeah. That's my home. Send them a complaint. Outrage. Hello and welcome to Sons of Thunder, the podcast with a world adventurer, a lover of engineering and a lover of theology. <laughs> I'm also joined with Father Dave and Marty. Gentlemen, <laughs> great to have you with me. I'm glad I'm not the lover of engineering. I can't claim much else. I was, telling, I was telling some of the guys at work the other day, I was saying, do you, do you have this same experience? Like if you meet someone new, you know, you might be at a party or something and, you know, they say, what do you do? Oh, I'm an engineer. Oh, oh, what's that like? Tell me about that. And I just find myself saying there's, there's no conversation in this. It's just boring, boring stuff. Do you ever get, oh, you studied mechanical engineering. So uh, do you like work on cars? Do you build weapons? Uh, that's, that's a mechanic. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah no sorry father dave do you ever have any people mis have misconceptions about what you do or what your mission ministry is oh is they probably something that rhymes with priest <laughs> they're, they're probably too polite to mention it to us <laughs> <laughs> i remember one of the guys i was studying with back back in the day when he told his father that he wanted to join the seminary, his father's first reaction was, why do you want to spend the rest of your life smiling at old women? <laughs> that was pretty, pretty much his, his understanding of what priests do all day. <laughs> how much, um, like percentage-wise, how much of your time do you spend smiling at old women? I try and diversify my work a fair bit. So, right. so <laughs> it, sometimes it's a frown. <laughs> <laughs> The whole range of emotions, yes. <laughs> uh, you've got a fairly, you've got a, a fairly family orientated parish up there, don't you? We do, yeah, yeah. There's a lot, lot of kids, a lot of young families. Yeah, it's a great spot. Casu Arena. That's right. Did he say it? Uh, not, not quite. <laughs> Arena. In the territory. Yeah, on the territory. <laughs> well, we've chosen to go into some different territory today by looking at the life of Saint Joseph terror of demons uh one of the one of the greatest saints in the church and yet we know so little about saint joseph uh father dave why is that well actually the answer is pretty obvious isn't it we know so little because there isn't much well yeah pretty much there's uh there's only a few mentions of him in the bible well i, I don't know whether you guys have had a chance to read the document that came out recently by pope francis on joseph no no oh you gotta look is it that, up is, is that it? the one you emailed what? to us a month ago <clears throat> Uh, maybe I can't quite remember that. You need to give us more time than that. <laughs> maybe, maybe <laughs> it just went to you, Sam. <laughs> <laughs> it was basically a, a letter called, you know, with, with a father's heart, and it, it's actually a beautiful meditation on Joseph. So he he acknowledges that there's not a lot written about him, but then breaks open the very little that there is in this really beautiful quite a way. Yeah. Mm. Oh yeah. Um, there's a lot unsaid. It. Yes. Yeah. Yes, to which of those? Both. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot unsaid about the life of St. Joseph. What do we know about St. Joseph? We know that he was not around during the ministry of Jesus, or at least he's not mentioned. Maybe he I was. Go, I want to go back a step. I want to go back a step. Matthew, to the start. Yeah. Well, close to the start. Beginning of Matthew, Matthew 1, 18, when... So the birth of Jesus occurred in this way. When his mother Mary was engaged to Joseph, and engaged I think is a modern term. It really is betrothed. Anyway. And can can I jump here for a second? Yeah. There, there are different definitions of that word that would exist within the Jewish culture. 
It's yeah. not, and this this is the problem: is that there are options that are not simply marriage as we know it. There is a particular option that's available that it could be, but we don't know that uh, a young a young woman who served in the temple would be betrothed in that language to a senior person in the church, but it's not a marriage as we would know it. It is more like a foster father or it's almost like a foster husband, but it's not in our culture. So there's nothing to compare Mm. it to. Mm. What Mm. else do you have? So you're engaged, uh, Mary, sorry, I lost my book. But before they came to live together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. Her husband, Joseph, her husband, Joseph, not her fiance, Joseph, her husband, Joseph, because the betrothal was actually the commitments made even before, you know, before. So I, as I understand the, the, the culture, the commitments made a betrothal to the marriage and then the husband needs to go and build a house in order to for them to commence their life together. But it's not like an engagement where we think of an engagement as your last chance to, you know, dip out from the betrothal ceremony, which is translated as engaged here. No, commitments made. So anyway, her husband, Joseph, was a just man and did not wish to expose her to the ordeal of public disgrace. Therefore, he resolved to divorce her quietly. Just going to check which translation this is. New Catholic version. Anyway, it's it's a funny word, which I don't think we understand in our modern language. He did not wish to expose her to the ordeal of public disgrace. I think the original in the Greek, and everyone, you know, turns into a Greek scholar, even though they can't read Greek, but says he did not wish her to expose her to the law, to the law of Moses, which was stoning. So there's a whole lot in here, which we just gloss over because of our modern culture and and language. You go, yeah, yeah, whatever, you know, I just want to, you know, break off the engagement. That's, uh, that's, that's what, that's not actually what he's doing. He, he resolved to divorce her because they're already married, betrothed, quietly, because his rights under the law is that she's put to death by stoning, which he didn't want to do. So by divorcing her quietly, he's admitting to the congregation, to the to the community, that it sort of is his child, but he's not prepared to actually be a father and is it's his sort of fault and he's running away from his responsibilities and the shame that that would entail. Mm. That's his decision, which is a real merciful. Extraordinary humility. Yeah, far from justice. And then, of course, God's plan's even bigger than that. Joseph the just, I rest my case. Now, one of the interesting things is that question of how old was Joseph? Hmm. Sam, you, you just mentioned there about a betrothal to an older person. Yes, Yes. We don't actually know how old Joseph was. And there are texts that talk about it, but they are not scriptural. They're not scriptural. So it's hard to know exactly how authentic they are. Because many of them are written many centuries later. Yes. And, you know, like the, the Orthodox Church is pretty clear that Joseph was old. They claim that he was about 100 years old when he died. There is a document from around the 6th or 7th century, I think it was, uh, which claimed that Joseph was 111 when he died. So he was 90 years old when he married Mary. But, that, yeah, that, that document was believed to have been written around the 6th or 7th century. So not, but, not by like, someone who knew him. Well, exactly. That, that's, that's a significant length of time. That's, hmm. that's like us writing something about Martin Luther back in the 1500s that, that long ago. And I suppose one of the questions in a lot of that is this question of purity. You know, I, I would suspect that the background thought there is that if, okay, Mary marries an older guy, he's going to be pure because he's pretty, pretty, pretty much old and past it, I suppose. <laughs> going to put, mm. it, put it that way. Now, Archbishop Fulton Sheen disagreed with that. He thought yeah. in his um, The World's First Love we t- book on Mary talks about Joseph and just is completely opposite. He just says Joseph was young. Joseph was, you know, strong, virile, all of that, not 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 old and past it. And and part of that is the mystery of the holy family and, and the, the sacrifices, you know, all around there to bring salvation to the world. 
Mm. Well, that's right. Yeah. And um, the, the whole thing of, you know, Joseph being a carpenter, one thing I was reading where it talked about the, the, the Greek word almost could be translation, translated as like construction worker. Mm. So strong guy. Licensed builder. <laughs> yes. Now, you know, if, if he was 90 years old when Mary was betrothed to him, then that, that would have been his previous job, I mm. suppose, you know, from many, mm. many decades earlier. But, yeah, apparently there was uh, like a mosaic done in the 5th century, which basically presents Joseph as being fairly young and fairly buff. So that's the way they sort of described it, that he was he was pretty fit. Mm. Personally, I think that's a beautiful way of thinking about it because it makes his journey so much more relatable to us. If it's just an old guy who's being cared for by Mary, then... You know, it doesn't seem like he has to go through much of a battle of virtue. And yet, mm. if he's a young guy, similar age to Mary, then that, that's a whole different story. You know, he really has to surrender to the call of God and all of his plans and dreams now change. And he's got to be open to just accepting that and working with God. Well, that is pretty consistent with what we do read, in, particularly in, in Matthew, you know. Mary's found to be with child. He's, he's got a merciful plan to take on the difficulty onto himself for the rest of his life in order to preserve her life. And an angel appears to him in a dream and says, no, no, everything's fine. And, and he does. And he, and he keeps on responding to God's call wholly, uh, unreservedly. But a little bit later on, time, you know, the angel appears again, time to get up, take Mary and the child, go to Egypt. Yep. Righto. Like that doesn't, I, that's not that's not like get on a plane to go to Darwin. You know, it's all pretty easy these days. This is take a we presume they had a donkey or something. How long does it take to walk to Egypt? No. Yeah. Is that a rhetorical question? I'd suggest about a month. <laughs> How long did it take you to walk to Egypt? No. <laughs> I, I actually looked this up some time ago. Google Maps reckons it takes 140 day, 140 hours to walk from Egypt to Israel. But that's presuming you've got roads and no, you know, bandits and mm. desert tribes you've got to be avoiding and things like that. Yeah, and not mm. with a child. Not with a child. Is that a picture or a sculpture? I think there's a painting called the the flight to Egypt or something where you see. I'm just trying to remember. It's a, it's a, there's a donkey and there's Mary holding a baby Jesus, and I think Joseph's sitting down next to the foot of the donkey, kind of thing. They just look exhausted and. Doesn't look like you've seen it. <laughs> no, I'll look it up though. Sounds good. It's like uh, this, well, is, uh, this is your pilot, Pontius. Welcome uh, <laughs> look, to the flight into Egypt. <laughs> By the way, there, there is a whole middle ground there. We could have a twenty-two-year-old uh, Saint Joseph, and you're talking about a one hundred and eleven-year-old Saint Joseph. But there, there's also a bit of space in between there. Yes, that's right. But truth be told, we don't know. We don't mm. know. We don't know. But I think the beautiful part of the story is that he tried his best in the midst of weakness. This is one of the things that in this letter by Pope Francis, he draws out really well. Okay, can I just read this to you? He, um, mm, please do. He's basically saying, all too often we think that God works only through our better parts, yet most of his plans are realised in and despite our frailty. You know, so he's basically saying that, Joseph was weak and frail and broken and he did sin. And yet somehow God was using all of that part of him as well. You know, I think we often, we do this with all the saints. We assume that the saints never were unvirtuous. They were always perfect. You know, we forget that they were, they already sort of reached the level of perfection at the end of their life. Most of their lives, they were stuffing up pretty badly. Saint and Nicholas, yeah. Saint, Saint Nicholas, perfect right hook. <laughs> yes, <laughs> but it was it was during those times when they were imperfect. I that just they think, were achieving such I just think Saint, I just think Saint Francis would be difficult to live with. Francis of Assisi. Yes. Oh yeah, definitely. <laughs> just no I love, I, love <laughs> this, I love this present you just gave me. Actually, I love it so much. I'm going to burn it. <laughs> not, I was reading a biography. Not too subtle. I was reading this great biography on Francis some years ago, which was, it was written by a Dominican. 
And so he was like, he was pretty clear. With a vested interest. I've got no affiliation here. I'm just interested in the facts. He was pulling out all these documents where late in life when Francis was quite sick and he said, look, find me a doctor and I'll vow myself to obedience to the doctor. I will be the humble servant and do whatever the doctor tells me. And then as soon as the doctor gave him instructions, he was like, I want a second opinion. Can someone find me another doctor? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. The Pope goes on talking about Joseph saying, you know, there is something in his weakness and his frailty that God actually uses to bring good. Mm. And, yeah, I suppose really that, that's, that's the beauty of how God works in us. You know, God is, God is working through your virtue, but he's also working through your sin in some strange way. You know, he's able to mm. bring everything to good. For those who love the Lord. Um, yeah. So Holy Family is a pretty interesting dynamic. There's, um, there's Jesus, God incarnate, sinless. There's Mary, Immaculate Conception, sinless. And then there's the head of the household, Joseph, the only one who's not sinless in the family, which like our sort of thought of how, you, how, how, how we would plan something like this is you, you wouldn't sort of structure it like that. But, but, that's, how, but that's, how, that's how Jesus did pick for the Holy Family to be structured. I think, though, what it does do in a significant way is it turns on its head what we think leadership or being the head is. Mm. It's it's one of us. This is Jesus again and again through ministry. It's one of complete service. It is laying your life down. Mm. Those around us. So I'm always interested in just that contemplation. Oh, actually, I should, I should say this, Father Dave. Mm. When we were doing the episode on meditation, and you were talking about the person you met who loved meditating on that line, and Jesus was walking around the portico of the Temple of Solomon. It Mm. was winter, that particular one. Well, when we released that episode, the reading that week, two days later, was that. That's right. I I, I noticed that. Yep. (laughs) So it's good timing. Very good timing, yes. So the reason I bring that up is I I like just Just that. Just for nostalgia? (laughs) (laughs) No, meditating on, meditating on, who was St. Joseph, as in the lead up to what we do know about him? You can imagine St. Joseph from what we can see, what the glimpse we get, that he is extraordinarily humble and holy mm-hmm. to the extent where God says, Joseph, I have a job for you. And yeah. a job that, that is just so extraordinarily unique and so and it's not it, almost, be easy. it must have been, must have been not easy, and must have also been a bit uh, confusing at times, or maybe it was just one of, I guess, with his humility, perhaps it was not so much confusing as just awe and wonder mm. as it all unfolded. But also very much a, an acceptance. Once again, if I can quote this letter that the Pope did, he, he's got this point about Joseph being able to surrender his own dreams for life and accept God's plan. There's this one paragraph which jumped out at me where he says, often in life things happen whose meaning we do not understand. Our first reaction is frequently one of disappointment and rebellion. Joseph sets aside his own ideas in order to accept the course of events as mysterious as they seemed to embrace them, take responsibility for them and make them part of his own history. Mm. Unless we are reconciled with our own history will be unable to take a single step forward for we will always remain hostage to our expectations and disappointments that follow. Yeah. I, I just thought that was kind of hostage a brilliant way of looking to our at expectations. It. Yeah. Is, is, would it be correct in saying this is why St. Joseph is known as the terror of demons for that reason? I think because it's it humility. Yeah. I think it's humble, utter humility, humble the, obedience. We talk about the yes of, they can't, they the can't handle Mary. that. Mm. So I think I think I can't handle being interrupted every time I try and finish my sentence. Yeah, you can. Yeah, you should be used to it by now. It's a winning combination. Uh, No, no, no. It's you. It's you're the you're the one we interrupt. (laughs) We. It's we now. (laughs) I think there's a. um, I think it's a really big image here of fatherhood. Oh, extraordinary. Where it's not about being the 
the best and having all the ideas and and controlling everything or 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 anything like that and it's that's exemplified in the holy family where the 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 most sinful member of the holy family is 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 the head of the family not you know i mean saint joseph is an incredibly holy guy but you know on just on the maths of it the most sinful member is the one that god the father said no you represent me in this family and if god the father picks you say you, that you represent him there's, there's no one else like there's no one that can if 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 other people don't agree it it, it doesn't matter because other other opinions are far far less important than than the, than the father's appointment and i think that's true for all fathers and saint joseph's a brilliant example of leading his family in a in a humble and loving way uh, in order to embrace god's will mm. even when it hurts well one of the things that always strikes me is that thing of god is the one who sanctifies joseph like i i remember years ago meditating on that image of Mary putting the baby Jesus in the arms of Joseph. And I'm, I'm sure most fathers are filled with awe, but also quite terrified at that moment when they hold their child for the first time. How much more so if he understood who he was holding mm. and how many times through his life, you know, as Mary and Joseph became more aware of the true identity of Jesus how terrified he must have been being in the presence of the all holy one. And yet it's like God saying, I'm not going to sit here and wait for you to become perfect before mm. you be my father. It's I'm, I'm, I'm going to make you holy. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to purify you and, and transform you. You know, and I, I just, I just think of that so often when I, when I see Catholics who, you know, they might've just had a, a small argument with, with a family member and they don't feel worthy to go to communion. I'm just like, oh, you know, how much more does God desire that you would receive him? Because it's not about what you do. It's about what he wants to do in you. Mm. You know, and I've always mm. looked at Joseph as being a, a real example of almost the humility we need to have to say, Lord, I'm not worthy, but but you can make me perfect, you know. Only say the word and my soul will be healed. Exactly. Whereas normally we say, you know, even if you've said the word, I'm still not good enough. So, <laughs> have, have you celebrated Mass yet today, Father Dave? No, not yet. We've got that this evening. But the the antiphon uh, is, um, uh, I, you did not choose me, I chose you. Mm. Yes. And that, that, yeah. In the exact same vein. We, it's, not, it's not us getting to a point where we go, you know what, I'm ready. Yeah. <laughs> no, what not. do you want me to? What do you want me to do now, God? I'd like to apply for this position. I think I can uh, make some headway there for you. Let's talk. I was deal. thinking about that career-wise and stuff. What's uh, what's what's my next move? And a completely different view of that is going to adoration and going, Lord, what's what's my next move? Because even in something as simple as jobs and stuff, the if you understand that that the work is the Lord's, it's it's not really mine. I'm just I'll, I'll I'll get the most out of it if if I respond with "Let your will be done," as he puts it in front of me. There was you know? a, a documentary series that we we're all involved with, the production of called Source and Summit, that will be released later this year. And in the lead up to this particular series, I had all the guests lined up, and then one of the guests pulled out. She had been diagnosed with cancer. Um, everything's okay, thank God. Uh, but she she had to pull out of the series, and I was. It's a fairly solid, fairly solid excuse. It's a very good excuse, yes. Yeah. But was then left with okay, I've only got a few weeks' notice here, and I have to try and fill her spot in the series. And there were three guests per interview, and so you, particular... so you got Saint Joseph to come. Well, <laughs> what I did do was I thought, well, this particular episode we're looking at love and relationships, and there was a young guy who's on the the series, and. I thought it'd be brilliant actually if his wife came with us instead of this person who had pulled out, but really short notice. And I wasn't sure if he'd feel comfortable about it. And I rang him and proposed it to him and he started crying. And he said, you wouldn't believe what's just happened. He said, last night, my wife was in prayer and she came out and said, 
I've, I was praying for you and what you're going to be doing with Source and Summit with the documentary series. And she said, I feel like God wants me to go with you. And Jesus said, and, pack your bags, get ready. <laughs> but he said, but he said, I, I can't invite you on that. Like I'm the guest. I've been invited onto it. It's not my call to invite you onto that. And she said, oh, I'll keep praying about it. And she came back and, and said, no, I, I feel that God is asking me to mm. go with you. Jesus said, this. Jesus said, pack the bags. So they, they prayed together and then they opened up to a scripture verse and both happened to stare at, let us go up the mountain of the Lord and praise his name. And we were, we were hiking a mountain in the, in the episode. And so when I, but he was toiling with it thinking, but I can't take my wife. And I ring the next day and go, so is there any chance at all that maybe your wife could come with us? So it really was a case of, yep, she's packed. Yeah. <laughs> It would seem that uh, it had had already been sorted out. I'm sure that sort of thing happened in the um, Holy Family all the time with St. Joseph. You know, I I don't understand what's going on here. You know, what do I I have to do to control this to make it, you know, the the work is the Lord's. Mm. And and I think it's really easy to look at what Joseph and the Blessed Virgin Mary were were faced with and say they must have been so fearful and, and so anxious. But to come back to what Father Dave said 10 minutes ago, if they had a genuine understanding of what was going on, that it's, that's not the case. It's not necessarily the case. There really could have been almost an excitement of what mm. was unfolding, even though there's incredible hardship involved. A better understanding than us, I'd suggest, of what it is in front of them, who this child is. I, I just love that as you guys are talking, you're basically following the progress of this letter by Pope Francis, almost paragraph by paragraph. <laughs> the, the, the one well, that we've never read. He did, he did contact us for uh, some advice. Well, oh, yeah, even though you haven't read it yet. Anyway, um, yeah, but that's it, right. Because right in, in terms of that whole thing of, you know, Can we trusting be God's providence, um, <laughs> the, to, towards the end of it, there's, there's a section on Joseph's uh, courageous, being, being a creatively courageous father. Just, just to read this to you. So he says, uh, hang on, I've lost this but I was going to read now. Where are we? Careless. So God always finds a way to save us, provided we show the same creative courage as the carpenter of Nazareth, who was able to turn a problem into a possibility by trusting always in divine providence. Mm. If at times God seems not to help us, surely this does not mean that we have been abandoned, but instead are being trusted to plan, to be creative, and to find solutions ourselves. And he, he, he then goes on to use the story of the, the paralytic where his friends couldn't find a way th- to get to Jesus. So they dug mm. through the roof and got, got, got him to him. And so it's, it's sort of that thing of trusting in the providence, providence of God, but not in this completely passive sense. It's like, yeah. Yeah. I'm going to be creative. I'm going to try and find a way to get through and trust that God is going to meet me in the, in the midst of that. Interestingly, there's no mention in the Gospels of just how pissed the owners of the house were that their roof's been demolished. It's sort of silent on all of that. <laughs> they probably did you, sense did you watch The words, Chosen? <laughs> yeah. Did you watch The Chosen? Yes. Yeah. 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 There, there's a great, that, that scene in there is really good. They are actually yelling at them. <laughs> hey, <Yeah>. hey, <laughs> it's my roof. <laughs> yes. Uh, Actually, so, nice thing there, though, Matthew, of course, is outside watching, so he may not have heard that. True. Yeah. So, Father Dave, is St. Joseph the second greatest human ever or is it St. John the Baptist? I've, I've, I've heard both. Well, if we assume that well, <laughs> Jesus is fully human, so, so he would have to take number one. Yeah, okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. If you, you're going to play the play, – play, yeah, right. Third. Third Jesus. greatest human ever. You didn't see that shirt front coming. <laughs> Smacked out. So, and, and I'm assuming you're going to say Mary's at, at number two. So I mean, yep. if you were going to, if there was like a saint version of fantasy football or something like that, of like, yeah, two, that's, two, that's two, what we're doing. Yep. 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 Well, Moses, yep. Moses, Moses was the most humble. <laughs> Humility score. <laughs> <laughs> no, it actually does say, uh, it does say in, in the Old Testament that Moses was. I think it was Old Testament, might have been new, but it does say in Scripture that Moses was the most humble man to ever live. Mm, yes. But, but, 
but Jesus was fully man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think uh, the New Testament may have uh, thrown a few extra people into the rankings. I think this is a, a question to just subtly try and avoid, Father Dave. <laughs> he's doing his best to subtly avoid it. Marty, can you call your children to Zoom, please? We'd like to ask, in uh, while they are there, which one's your favourite? Oh, one of one of them. One of them often claims to be the favourite. One of them. One of them. When she writes like a Mother's Day card, will sign it off. Your favourite child. <laughs> Which, which may be presumptuous. <laughs> hey, we should go through, for, for those who are not... Sorry, I just realised I was turning away from the mic. We should go through, for those who are not necessarily aware of what we do know about St. Joseph. So we have very little. It's about the, the beginning. It's the nativity scene. The beginning. So that's Luke's gospel. Uh, Matthew is where he gets probably the biggest... Story being the uh, Matthew starts with the uh, the genealogy of Jesus through Joseph's line, doesn't he? Yes, and then you know the birth of Jesus, the flight into Egypt. So Joseph was of the house of David, the royal line. Yes, and Mary was Mary was too, wasn't she? Mm. Anyway, Roy he's part of the royal family, and then. And then even more so when his family became the Holy Family, sort of. <laughs> yes, yes. And the last time we hear of St. Joseph would be the finding of the child Jesus in the temple. Do we hear of him again after that? No. So, so what, 12, 12 years old? Yeah, about that. At that point? Yeah. So somewhere between when Jesus, Jesus is 12 and 30, when he started his public ministry, we... Assume Saint Joseph died, or we we're fairly. I mean, is it is it a bit more than an assumption? I mean, you know, well, yeah. Well, no, I mean that is you know we assume, but a, but a fairly confident assumption. Yeah, yeah, that's what I think. Yeah, because if surely if he was around during Jesus' ministry, he'd be would be mentioned. Surely, surely, he gets one mention. You know, when when they talk about Jesus being the son of the carpenter Joseph, but that that's about it, really. Oh yeah, so. Remember, I don't know who. Remember reading something, you know, which is all a bit hypothesis, but suggesting that Joseph's death might have been sort of just a physical, you know, natural kind of enabler for Jesus to then start his ministry, you know, just with work and family obligations and stuff that that he would have been subject to. Mm. Anyway, did Jesus have to sell the family business, or did he just close up the door one day and walk away? Joseph and sons. <laughs> Have you heard mm. the story of the staircase mm. in the United States? I'm the pretty Lorazzo sure it's USA. Convent? Is that the it one? It is a convent. I don't know which one, but let's go with that. Yeah. Yeah. Loretto Staircase. Where they, they had quotes to put in a staircase to a choir loft that the, the quotes were absorbent, absorbent and they, they just could not get a design to actually do the. Exorbitant, not absorbent. Sorry, just too exorbitant. It's funny when I said it, I thought, "Does it sound right?" Just keep going. <laughs> the quotes are written on <laughs> tissue paper. <laughs> they just the quotes just kept sucking money into them. <laughs> yeah, so eventually, they they did a novena to Saint Joseph, praying for a staircase for their choir loft. And one day, a man on a donkey or with a donkey turned up with wood, with old school equipment and set about building a freestanding helix spiral staircase, which is still quite phenomenal in, by still, I mean, it t continues to draw the attention of engineers and architects as to how this thing has been built, how it stands. He didn't accept any charge for it, this guy, and disappeared. And the wood comes from hundreds of kilometres away. It's all quite mysterious. So there's some thought that St. Joseph himself turned up to build it, but at the end of this novena. But whether that's the case or not, someone arrived, not being asked, with wood yes. from 
hundreds of kilometres away to build a staircase that sort of seems to defy engineering and then disappeared again. You look it up, Staircase of Loretto Chapel. So maybe he didn't sell the business. Still in business. <laughs> Do you mind if I go through the uh, just down the names, the, the Litany of St. Joseph, which I'm pulling out of Father Don Calloway's Consecration to St. Joseph book. Uh, are you just going to reel these off one after the other, or are we going to stop and comment you on can, as no, as we go? We can comment. You can comment. Okay. Okay, the first one is St. Joseph. I like it. All right, nice. Noble offspring of David. Mm-hmm. Well, we've just covered that. I think we've covered that. Light of patriarchs. Oh, what does that mean? Because I grew up on Flinders Island, where the patriarchs is actually a, a group of islands. So for me, I just, <laughs> that's a, I just it's a lighthouse. It's a lighthouse, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Other Dave, really what's it? What's it mean? Reference. What's... Dave, is your are you on mute? Is that on purpose? Yes, I'm on mute. <laughs> 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 Let me try that again. <laughs> I could, I could, I could sound like I know what I was talking about now, whereas before I was fumbling through it. <laughs> the patriarchs were obviously, you know, the uh, the great. Leaders of the Old Testament, you know, you, you, Moses and so on. In terms of how he was the light of them, I don't know, but uh, the light by God's grace. Yeah, something like that. Okay, spouse of the mother of God. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's clear. Chaste guardian of the virgin. Yep. yep, sounds good. Foster father of the son of God. Zealous defender of Christ. Yes. Yeah, it is quite extraordinary. And that, that's what you were referring to earlier on, Marty and Father Dave, the, the courage to just act and go and do. It was. It, um, mm. Yes. Joseph most just, Joseph most chaste, Joseph most prudent, Joseph most courageous, Joseph most obedient, Joseph most faithful, head of the Holy Family. Mirror of patience. Now that's Sorry, that. that Mirror? Mirror, 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 <laughs> mirror of <No> patience. <laughs> that's um, that's a really good image, I think. Mirror of patience, lover, yeah. lover of poverty. We, I remember praying that, Marty. You and I were were praying uh, last year, some point, and I prayed for the grace to embrace poverty, and you chimed. You kind of. Uh, <laughs> broke the prayer by saying it feels it feels really strange to actually want that <laughs> well it does and it is that's sorry. why we pray for the grace for it sorry sorry for breaking your prayer <laughs> <laughs> model of work that is it. was that your was that your version of saying i'm okay thanks yeah that's right <laughs> i'm good okay <laughs> Model of workmen, glory of domestic life, guardian mm. of virgins, pillar of families, comfort of the afflicted, hope of the sick, patron stop, of the... Stop, stop, Why hope of the sick? I mean, it sounds great. It's beautiful. Why, though? Well, if we assume that he died potentially of some illness, then, you know, he dies potentially in the arms of Jesus. Um, he also dies without seeing necessarily the fulfillment. the fulfillment of what he was guarding. Yeah. Zealously. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Thanks. Patron of the dying. Oh. There we go. <laughs> My personal favorite, Terror of Demons. And I think we've covered that. Yep. And Protector of Holy Church. Or the patron of the Universal Church. Mm. So Saint Joseph is the patron of the Universal Church, and is often depicted holding a church building in one hand and a lily, a white lily in the other. What do either of you happen to know? What the white lily is that a symbol of purity? Yeah, it's a symbol of purity. It is. Got it. Good. Mm. So Saint Joseph turns up. At the end of Fatima, I just found out recently. Really? Mm. In the last apparition, the 
the the day the sun danced when Mary declares to the seers that she is Mary. I can't remember the title, but the Immaculate Virgin, the Immaculate Virgin, the 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 Lady of the Rosary, and all of that. Mm. And after that, there's part of the apparition is Saint Joseph holding, I think, holding the baby Jesus, and they both bless the world together. It's very similar to the apparition at Knock, mm. where Joseph, the Holy Family, the 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 apparition was the holy. I think there was a lamb on the altar and the holy family, and Joseph was holding the baby Jesus, as I recall. Mm. There you go. If there's one thing that I've learnt above all other things in doing this podcast series with you guys, uh, and sorry, Marty, it is actually from Father Dave. Well, you that, said some good things too. You no, you no, said some good no. things too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> you'd you'd make the top twenty somewhere at some point. But Father Dave, that we are called into relationship that it's all about relationship now something that i had heard many many times before in my faith walk but that really we're talking about being drawn into the trinity into that relationship and just seeing that we have that embodied there again that there is family that there is there is a family the holy family is not your it's not necessarily the family that you would think is perfect from the outset in fact, it almost seems like everything is a little bit off. Everything's been jolted to the side. And you, God forms this loving, holy family where purity and love are at the centre of it. Mm. But it's all about relationship. Yeah, like, like externally. Uh, we're, we're, the... we've, got, we've, we've got a stepfather as the patron of, of the church. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Protector of the church. So, like, if you if you were to just look at the externals of this family experience, it's chaos, and yet internally it's heaven. Um, mm. Yeah, and and like you say, I, th- I think that's sort of reflected very much in the Christian journey. That you look at the lives of the saints, and their life doesn't look particularly attractive because it's it's chaos, it's difficult, it's suffering, and yet internally they're at peace. You know, they're they're, they're in relationship with the Lord. Yeah, it's in in the mess. Mm. within that mess that there is a an appreciation of joy and a living out of joy through that adversity bringing out a, a greater sense of love. So I just got that's this. a greater encounter with God because we're relying on God more. Mm. One, well, what'd you get, Marty? Oh, sorry. I said, why have you been talking? <laughs> <laughs> why have you been talking? I've just been daydreaming. I've just been... <laughs> oh, you're that's... back. Oh, good. Good to see you, Marty. <laughs> Just had this this sort of vision of Jesus dying. Jesus dying, you know, and go through the creed. He descended to the dead, and amongst other people, there finding Joseph and going, "Hey, pops, it's heaven time." And Joseph saying, "Son, I I knew you'd make it." Sorry, it's actually embarrassing. I day I literally did daydream then because of you <laughs> talking about daydreaming, and you finished, and I thought. I didn't listen to a word he just said. Say I thought it was good, Marty. I I I, I read it. I think. Yeah. yeah, I thought it was, was awesome, was but you can listen to it on the podcast. <laughs> One of the questions I was I thinking, have... I was too busy thinking about what I was going to say next. Sorry, Dave. Go. Yeah, so I'll, I'll say the next thing. <laughs> One of the questions I always have is Joseph's father. You know, what sort of father was Joseph's father like? Mm. You know, because we, we, we so often talk, particularly, you know, in, in the context of men's ministry, particularly, we talk about the father wound and you know, how your own upbringing with your own father shape, very much will shape the way that you then father your own children. And I just think that's fascinating. Like, like was, was his father a really noble, righteous guy or was he just as broken and weak as most fathers are? Did Joseph have to go through his own journey of dealing with his own family mess and saying, you know, there are certain things that I... I want to imitate from my own father and there's other things I never want to do the same way again. Because mm. I, I, th- I think that is very much a question that every man has to, to look at in their own family life. But yeah, it's, it's, it's one of those unknowns. I would love to, I'd love to sit down with Joseph for dinner one night, maybe, and uh, hear his story. I'm sure you'll get the chance. Jacob, I've just, just looked it up in uh, Matthew's genealogy. Jacob was the That's father right. of Joseph. <clears throat> I don't know. I, yeah, that's a really good question. I can only like I just only can assume that he was a pretty top dad in the context of things, but 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 as you say, that even if that's the case, there are still 
imperfections that we all have that we can adopt without thinking or we can, you know, internalise that and, and, and choose, yeah, our own behaviours and responses and stuff, yeah. So I would say that's a particular area where fathers need to pray for, for St. Joseph's help. Mm. You know, like if you are aware of ways that you want to become a good father and things that you need to relearn or leave behind from your own history, he may be one that can help guide you through that. Mm. I mean, most parents grow up with their teenage children thinking that they are the centre of the universe and St. Joseph actually did. His child. <laughs> <laughs> yes it would have been such a different experience of of fatherhood well like before when we were talking about you know god's provision and praying to know god's will was there a point where joseph's prayer sort of sort of changed from praying to god to suddenly turning to jesus saying what would you do you know mm. like did he did he come to a point of recognition that you know he just had to turn to his son and ask for advice Grace. <laughs> yes. What were his words? Sorry, I'm actually in my car right now. My Bible's in the back of the car. What were his words when they found Jesus in the temple as a 12-year-old? Can someone look that up for me? That's Luke. Luke 6, is it? No, before that. Luke chapter 2. The race. I don't think he actually gets a line. Doesn't? It says his, his mother said to him, child, why have you treated us like this? Look, your father and I have been searching for you in great anxiety. And he said to them, why were you searching for me? Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? Yeah, Joseph doesn't get a word in. So the last time we hear St. Joseph speak is prior to, we, we have no words from St. Joseph during Jesus' lifetime. Where, where are the words of St. Joseph you're thinking of? Uh, in Matthew's gospel. They're, they're, they're the ones I know about when we're talking about uh, St. Well, even then, uh, well, just, they're, they're prayers, aren't they? They're prayers, aren't they? Describing his actions. Like if I just, I'm not sure there's no a single words? word. Yeah, that's a good point. Look, there's what the angel says to Joseph. But right, hang on one, hang on one sec. Hang, wait, right, cue, cue some thinking music while we do some quick research. You know, it might be a bit like in TV dramas where you have to get paid more if you get a speaking part. Mm. That mm. I, it looks like Joseph didn't actually get any words. I think you're right. Wow. The man of few words. Well, how extraordinary is that, though? If on well, Marty's if on Marty's list he comes in as the third greatest saint of all time. And more the, uh, more, the, more the strong, silent type didn't didn't require him to say that much. That His actions phenomenal. Hmm. Actions speak louder than words. All right, good recovery. <laughs> <laughs> right, I've got a quote here from Saint Francis de Sales: "To be just is to be perfectly united to the divine will." and to be always conformed to it in all sorts of events, whether prosperous or adverse. That, St. Joseph, was this, no one can doubt. Amen. Amen. Marty, would you like, since you've started that, do you want to continue on and close us in prayer? Continue it. Um, I'll close I'm sure the, the, I'm sure the music has already to, started. I'll, I'll need to do it, you know, freehand. <laughs> the Father and the Son, the Holy Spirit. Amen. Uh, um, <laughs> I'll have to cut that out. <laughs> could could really. you get any closer to your microphone as you do that? Uh, 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 I don't really uh, think where to start. St. <laughs> Joseph, uh, we ask you to show us Jesus, your son, and to draw us into his life. And we ask that you would, um, through your patronage of the Universal Church, guide us and teach us, especially fathers, that you would show us how to be, um, how to be better, 
and that you would show us Jesus. We pray for all our listeners and ourselves and our families. We ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Lord, we just pray a special blessing on us and particularly on all fathers. Pray a blessing on us, Father, Son, the Holy Spirit. Amen. 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 So, Joseph, terror of demons. Pray for us. Pray for us. Uh... (laughs) That's not fair. You got the timing right. I showed someone last night uh, the intro to Source and Summit, and in that, Father Dave, you have, there's a bit of you speaking, and this particular person is a teacher at the school I was at in Swan Hill yesterday, and they listened to Sons of Thunder. And as soon as you spoke, I just hit the space bar and stopped it and turned to this teacher and said, do you know who that is? And her face had lit up and she said, my goodness, Yes, I knew. I knew the voice. I just didn't know what he looked like. <laughs> I was doing a parish retreat in Sydney years ago, and like the first day of this retreat, I, was, I, I did the homily of mass. And this woman came up to me after mass, saying, "I know you. Well, actually, I don't know you, but I do. It's good to finally meet you." I'm like, "What?" And um, those discernment for dummies videos, the little animations uh, you did. She, she'd seen that. And she recognised my voice. And the whole way through the homily, she was like, yeah, you look the same as the cartoon character. (laughs) (laughs) You do, though. That cartoon character is pretty good. (laughs) You still find them, can you? Yeah, they should still be on YouTube. What's it called? The Sermon for Dummies. (laughs) 